Mom to Mom podcast. We're three generations of moms who've experienced nearly every season of motherhood. Of course, we don't have all the answers, but you can be sure that we'll always point you to the one who does. We're pouring a cup of coffee and we're chatting motherhood today. Pull up a chair. We're really glad you're here. Welcome to the Mom to Mom podcast. We are thrilled you're here. And you know, with the new school year beginning, it's important to talk about helping our kids navigate friendships and the joys and the challenges that they bring. So join September McCarthy, Jamie Erickson, and me as we chat about the subject of friendships in a world quite different than the one we grew up in. Proverbs 18.24 says, a man that has friends must show himself friendly and there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Friendships are important for all of us, and maybe even more so for our children as they begin to navigate growing up and they begin to figure out how to relate to others in a kind, Christ-like way. As children grow, their friendships will too, and issues are likely to arise as they learn to deal with all different types of attitudes and upbringing that might be different from what they're used to. When children are toddlers, typically mom will be involved as they play with other children so we can observe and guide them as they interact. As parents, we teach them critical skills like sharing and taking turns and playing fairly. Once they start school, though, we don't have the same level of control we had in the early years. We need to come up with strategies to deal with the inevitable conflicts and issues like bullying or teasing or being left out. So what makes a healthy, godly friendship? Honesty, trustworthiness, generosity, friendliness, ability to share, having a sense of humor, and the ability to forgive an offense. And as moms, our job is to model Christ-like friendships to our children. We don't want our children hearing us gossip about our friends or slandering them or arguing with them. So today, ladies, let's chat about healthy, godly friendships and how we can help our children best navigate them. First of all, how important is it to know the families of the children your kids are friends with? How do you navigate letting your child be with families that maybe have different rules than you do? You know, for our family, we always like to get to know the families our kids are making friends with by doing group activities. So we limit our our children's time. We limit their time at other people's homes unless one of us are present, but we like to do things as a group. So we'd like to do things as families first. So we have the families over. You can kind of see how kids interact with their families. That's not always a possibility, but that's how we navigate our children um, being friends and, and getting to know other families. Yeah, I think it's very important too. And I love that idea September of of meeting and greeting and forming the root of a friendship together as a family. I think we have done that over the years, and it's proven to help our kids navigate some some rough waters that sometimes happen when you put immature people together um, and expect them to bond. I think it's very important that we as parents know the other families of the friends of our kids, because if we're being honest, our children are really just on loan to us from God, and we're to really steward all of their upbringing as best as we can and that certainly includes helping them as they form their friendships. And, and all you have to do is look to scripture to know that, that God has much to say about forming good, solid friendships. And we want to help our kids learn those truths early on. 
I agree. And I'm convinced it's very critical to know the families of the children that our kids are friends with. We always want our children to be gracious and polite when in somebody else's home. But uh, now I'm a believer in this, that your rules are your rules, no matter what the rules are in the friend's home. I mean, one, one little example, if your children aren't allowed to jump on the furniture at your house, then I think they shouldn't jump on the furniture at their friend's house either, even if it is allowed. I think they have to consistently follow your rules. Do you guys agree with me on that? Yeah. You know, we, if, if we encounter situations where our kids are making friends and their families have different rules than us, then sometimes it's easier for our kids if we just share our thoughts with the other parents, if their children are young, you know, that's a lot to put on a little kid, um, to have to explain why you don't have sleepovers or whatever your rule may be. Maybe it's something that's a little too heavy. So sometimes as parents, I just, intercede. I act as like a mediator. And I explain that to my kids, friends, parents, but as we're raising them and they're older, I think this is where, and I talk about this all the time. Um, we prepare them ahead by giving them informed replies and the why so that our children do not just have an answer that they don't understand because when someone presses them, on the rule or they don't understand it, then they're ready. So why don't we jump on the furniture? Because they're, you know, if they're at their friend's house and their kids are jumping on the furniture and they're like, come do this with me. Then sometimes if they just know the why, when we give them a reason for our rule, then they can just say it. It's not just my mom said, no, my mom said no. Um, sometimes. So I always love to teach the why that's a passion of mine, teach the kids the why, and they don't even realize that you're doing that. Um, it's not like, we're going to teach you the why it's, um, more, you know, this is why we don't do this. Do you understand? And if it was your thing, would you want someone to do that? And then they are learning it and they don't even know. Um, yeah, different rules are important mm -hmm. to kind of lay out, but you know, we don't want our kids to be in an awkward position. So I think if we inter intercede with the parents or give them, you know, a good reason to be able to explain for themselves. Yeah. I think that's great advice. September. I think it really depends on the ages of your kids. I had a, a mentor tell me early on in my parenting that when your kids are little, you need to think of parenting like a funnel, like a, you know, just a liquid funnel that you have where it's narrow at one end and big at the other. And oftentimes we're tempted to point the funnel of our parenting upright, meaning the big part is at the top. So we're really loose and we let a lot of things go as they're little and then we squeeze tighter as they get older. But really what that does is just, you know, breed rebellion in a teenager when all of a sudden the, the rules get tighter and tighter as they get older. And she really challenged me to flip the funnel of parenting upside down. So when my kids were little, I had a, a lot of tighter rules. I didn't just let them go over to other people's houses that I didn't know their the parents or the family situation. If you wanted to play with your friends, you have to bring them over to our house or we have to meet um, as families together or maybe some neutral spot. So the rules were a lot tighter. And then as my kids began to learn some of those whys that like you were saying, September, and they began to show some emotional and social maturity, then I can slowly release them a little bit inch by inch until now, you know, my teenagers are allowed to go over and hang out with their friends at other people's houses because, well, first of all, I know those families, but also because they've shown 
their maturity. They've shown that they can make good decisions in those situations. I've given them some tools to help them navigate. And I always leave my kids an out. I always say, if I have to be the heavy, if you have to say, oh, my mom said I can't, if you're in a, in a situation that makes you uncomfortable, or you know maybe you shouldn't be involved in that, if you just want to blame it all on me and say, oh, well, my mom said I couldn't do that, that's totally fine. I will take the hit for you if that gives you an easy out in a difficult situation. That's great advice, Jamie. And I love the inverted funnel. That that just makes so much sense to me. I'm a pretty logic-driven person, but I never heard it explained that way. So I love that. That's a great tip, moms. Listen to Listen to what Jamie said. So when your child's feelings have been hurt, how do you help them deal with it? You know, sometimes with, depending on the child, at least in my home, I don't know that my children's feelings have been hurt unless I ask. So sometimes I just have to ask questions. Um, Then I have children who have emotions written all over them and I can tell, oh, something happened with their friends today. Or so for the parent who's in either of situations for myself, I just have three things that I do when my children's feelings have been hurt by friends. And this is what I do to help deal with it. In our home, we just um, ask questions. So you might say, um, can you tell me what happened today? Did someone say something to hurt your feelings? Um, Kind of go to the source instead of saying, are you angry? Like I don't put words of emotions into my children's food, you know, into their brain bank. In other words, I'm not going to put and label what I think the problem is when I'm speaking to them. So I ask them questions. Um, So I ask them, did you get your feelings hurt today? Did something upset you? Did you get hurt? Did you see something you didn't like? Instead of saying, did so-and-so hurt you? Did so-and-so make you feel angry and sad? So I just begin with questions because I really want them to be able to verbalize what happened um, without hearing me first. The second thing I do is I encourage my kids to talk about their friends all the time to us. Um, I, I kind of get to know my kids' friends better from the things that they say that are going through texting or from, from church or from school groups, things that I can't see. So all the time I'm encouraging so that when there's a problem and their feelings are hurt, I already know that maybe their particular friend is... Um, you know, really selfish or really kind. And maybe my child was selfish and that's why their friend, their feelings were hurt. So the more you get to know your kids' friends by having conversations, you can kind of sift through um, because sometimes our kids' feelings are hurt because of something they themselves did. So I want to kind of be able to sift through that and see where did this all fall out? What was the real problem? And the fact, the, the last thing that we work really hard on in our home, and we're not always the greatest at it. Um, I have to work really hard at this is to equip my kids with tools on how to handle hurt emotions. Um, because there's a good way, there's a biblical way. And I want my kids to grow up to be able to communicate biblically, um, especially when it comes to conflict. So we ask, we encourage, and we equip. Those are the, the three things I could say. Yeah. That's great. September. How about you, Jamie? Well, I just want to add to what you said, September, in the equipping part. I think it's important for our kids and even ourselves, and I'm preaching to myself right here, when my feelings are hurt or I feel like I've I've been hurt, I take up the offense, I think it's good to always go back um, and point our kids in the moment to their identity in Christ and remind them 
who they are, who God sees them to be, because oftentimes hurt feelings can lead to um, other things like insecurities or self-doubt or all kinds of things that the enemy wants to slip in and make our kids believe lies that he wants them to believe. So just reiterating to them who they are in Christ. They are loved. They are pre-approved. They are complete in him. They're capable. They're perfected for good work. Just, just naming out loud who God says they are. So no matter what their friends say about them, on the playground or um, what they hear from others, they know what the truth is about their identity in the Lord. I love that, Jamie. You know, I was not raised with that, but I was very intentional. My husband and I both raising our daughter that we would speak over her all the time. This is who Christ says you are. This is how God sees you. This is the truth. I'm not just making things up about you. This is what God says. And that is critical to give our kids that strong foundation of who they are in Christ. Not that they're just, oh, you're so wonderful and amazing and talented. No, it's not. I mean, and there may be some of that, but Really, it's how does Jesus see them and what is that truth? And I think also that, you know, with as with most things, if, if you have a child that's been hurt, talk it out with them. Listen with compassion. Give them some solid biblical ways of handling it. I mean, life is just full of mean people and it's easy to get hurt. But as parents, we can help our children see it for what it truly is, not just what it feels like. And it's likely that if you're dealing with a child who's unkind to others, it's very possible that he's dealing with issues in his own home. There are so many broken homes where things are a little different than maybe, you know, our families where they're intact families. And it's true that hurt people hurt people. So learning to forgive and teaching our children about forgiveness and about kindness and compassion and knowing that, you know, there may be a very good reason why that kid is treating you this way. It could be something you brought on yourself, but it could just be they're having a hard time and this is how they're getting it out. So that's just a one other little little part of it and teaching them early on about forgiveness because listen, life is full of offenses and we can take them and hold on to them or we can quickly let them go. So how, how do we advise our children to choose their friends wisely? What should they look for in a friend? When my kids are little, we have done this now with um, 10 kids and it seems like a really good tool. So I have my kids um, sit down and this also applies to like dating relationships. So moms, when you get to that stage, you might want to try this little tool also, but I have them take a piece of paper, uh, like a notebook paper, and I have them kind of make a line down the middle and I have them make a list of all the things that they would like to see in a friend. And most likely it's kind of a fluffy list, you know, like fun and things, things to do and someone who likes to do blah, 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 you know, things that they like. It's usually about things that my kids like. Then on the other column, I give them their Bible and a concordance. And if they're little, I do this with them and talk about what a good friend is. And we make that in the other column. And I want them to kind of see um, what God has in mind. And so that's the first step. And this works really great with dating also, because a lot of times that first list, most everything will be checked off because we're drawn to people when we're looking for something. But the hard part comes in when... Um, you know, especially with dating friendships or relationships when the second list isn't quite being met. You have to make hard decisions. So with friendships though, to make it basic for my really little ones, I tell my kids, 
when you're with other people, when you're with these people that you want them to be your friend, um, and you want to find someone to be your friend, I want you to start listening to their words. What comes out of their mouth? Are they saying kind things about other people? What do they have to say about God? Are they saying things that they shouldn't? So I just say, listen to others' words. Um, do your friends make wise choices? That's the second thing I encourage my kids. That's like a little checklist. Um, do they make wise choices? Do they have good character? And we talk about character a lot in our homes. And my kids know that means um, honesty, telling the truth. Like that covers a big basis. Here's a big one. I ask my kids, the friends that you're thinking about making friends with right now, do they show respect to their parents and to authority? That's a big thing. And um, also, I ask them to think about this one. Um, are they aware of their testimony? So are your friends that you're hanging out with right now, do they have the same testimony that they do with you? when they are alone that they do than when perhaps they're at church or in front of their parents is there is their testimony um true so and the list gets more serious and grows as they get older um you know basic basic words would be are they kind are they honest um do they treat you nicely so those are the things that those are the basis that i cover um when I, my kids are looking for for new friends I think with, along with that, September, it's important that we go back to the character training. And I think that's what you were trying to get at too is, and we've talked about character training here on the podcast. If you're curious to hear our thoughts about that, you can go to the show notes and we'll leave a link to that particular episode. But I think if we're teaching good character to our kids and what it means to be a good friend, that they are actually, um, learning to cover an offense and seek love, like Proverbs 17, 9 says, or learning to bear one another's burdens, outdo one another in showing honor to each other, and, and then considering the interest of others ahead of their own. If we're teaching and modeling this character to them, they're actually going to end up being the right kind of friend and therefore attract the right kind of friend. Scripture says iron sharpens iron, deep calls to deep. So if we can help nurture, and it goes back to that uh, funnel model when my kids are little and things are a little bit tighter and I'm, I'm focusing more on their character and, and, and teaching them godliness within their relationships, they're going to be learning that good character therefore modeling it to others. And those are the types of friendships that they will actually attract. And I'm seeing that play out. And I'm sure you girls can say the same thing. I, I know just even recently, my daughter, she works at a Christian camp in the summer and she goes there and is there all summer long and gets to interact with the gamut of different personalities. But I remember recently she came home on a little respite and we were chatting in the car and she said, mom, I'm just really amazed at how catty some girls can be. And she's just not used to that because that's just not her nature. She's not a catty person. And, and I said, well, how, how does that make you feel? And she says, I really just have no desire to um, make those my deep intimate friends because I just see how, how they nitpick at each other and they, they're mean to one another and I don't want anything to do with it. And so she has naturally gravitated to people like herself that are not catty and they have naturally gravitated to her. So I think in training our kids in that good godly character on the, on the very front end when they're little, you know, 
iron sharpens iron, they will attract good friends as they are modeling what it means to be a good friend to others. So good, you guys. I mean, I I just think the only thing to add, and you've already said this, but first teach our children to look for kids that are kind, that are nice, that are generous. How do they treat the child that sits alone at lunchtime or on the bus? Do they get out of their way to be nice and talk to them? Which children do they know that are willing to share, that are honest, that don't talk behind other kids' backs, that aren't catty? I mean, look for the qualities that remind them of Jesus, qualities like humility, love, generosity, all those things, putting others first. So let's move on to a little bit different subject and switch it to us as parents, because I'm a big believer in this truth, that as parents, what we model, our children will follow. So what qualities are you modeling to your children with your own friendships? What do you hope they learn while watching you interact with your friends? You know, this is a really great question. And I've been thinking about this as we've been talking about friendship. And I think about how I interact with my friends. And uh, I just made a little list. And so some of the things that I hope my kids learn and catch when they see me interact are kindness and sincerity. I think sincerity is sometimes a, a tricky one. Maybe it's not something in today's culture. Everyone's really nice. You know, everybody likes Facebook posts and um, social media and kind of text checks in with a text, but genuine friendships, I think sincerity is big, reaching out to someone with a phone call or an actual piece of mail and checking on, in on them personally and not just like liking their page. Um, so kindness and sincerity I want my kids to see me being generous with my time and my um, gifts that he's given me to benefit and help and encourage my friends. I want my kids to um, see me model truthfulness in all things. And this is a big one. These these next three are my top um, core things that I would want my kids to grow up to model for themselves in friendships, and I hope they see this in me, is that I want them to know 100% how to handle conflict biblically um, resolution. I think a lot of friendships start strong, maybe in your 20s, you have children, your kids start growing up together, and just the littlest thing not handled biblically can grow into a very big divide, and you lose those friendships. And so this is something I work, we work really hard for in our family, and I hope my kids will see that and be able to carry that into the next generation. But The second two are words of integrity, that whatever comes out of my mouth is full of integrity. And they they see that because that affects our friendships. And last, that I have a love for others and grace. There's so much grace needed um, in friendships because we're all at different seasons and allowing people just to be real without, you know, judgment or, um, you know, just impatience. So I think that's where grace comes in. Those are all so good, September. I feel like you stole all my answers. So, so good. <laughs> Especially the conflict resolution one. If we can teach our kids that, that will that will transfer into all areas of relationships, whether in marriage or business, friendships, all those things. I'd also just add, I hope that my kids, and, and I will just throw this di- disclaimer out right now, I am such a work in progress, but I hope at the end of my life, my kids can say, I saw my mom show radical hospitality to friends and family and neighbors. I hope that they saw me serving, meeting people's physical, emotional, and spiritual needs. And I hope that um, they can see that example in my, 
in my life. And well, I also want them to recognize that Christ's blood is a unifier. I hope that they see that in my friendships that, you know, from coming from a family that wouldn't be considered the quote unquote Christian family, not everybody in my home is a believer in my extended family. And I grew up in a home where really my mother was the only believer for a very long time. And so now as an adult, I'm not as close to some of my extended family as, you know, other people are, but I have found that through the common cause of Christ, I can call friends family because we share that same common goal. And so I feel like I'm closer to a lot of my friendship circles than I even am with extended family just because of that commonality that we have, that unifier, which is Christ. Mm, That's good. I love that, Jamie. I, I too grew up in a family. The only one who knew the Lord was my grandfather. And that's where I first got the first little inkling. And it took me many, many years to figure it out and give my heart to the Lord. But I did see it at least in one place in my family. And my daughter, you know, as I've said, is grown and gone. But I'm hopeful that she saw humility and kindness in my husband and me when she was home. I mean, we did our best not to gossip, not to slander other people, to try not to take an offense, even when when we legitimately could have. But it's really never legitimate. The Bible's very clear about not taking an offense. And we were we were quick to open our home. If somebody needed somewhere to stay for a while, for whatever reason, we were always quick to open our home to show hospitality and kindness. So it, I think we're all trying to do the, those right things and, and show Christ's love through how we love our friends and how we love others. But to um, go a little bit different direction, some kids can just be downright mean. So what advice can you give to our listeners if their child is dealing with a bully or a bossy or selfish or mean child, or what if it's their child or your child who's bossy or mean or being a bully? How do you, how do you deal with that, September? I just have um, five words for this answer, and that would be, I would go straight to the adults, to the parents. Um, so I think that's five words. Uh, really, it's just uh, instead of beating around the bush and trying to uh, attempt every troubleshooting area for bullying, I feel like going straight to the parents um, or the leaders or authority, whatever the situation is uh, first, because um, I don't want to get tangled up in trying to deal with another person's child. Secondly, if it's my child, now some other people might have, you know, be able to weigh in on that. I know Jamie, you've dealt with some situations and you probably have some more wisdom on that, but um, we've dealt with selfish and mean children, um, maybe not bullying, but very bossy, selfish and mean children. And I've also had some of those selfish and um, bossy children myself. And so I've had to deal with that on the home front. And um, when I do, I expect my children to have a heart of repentance when we're through working through what it you know, recognizing, owning what they've done. And so that will lead to an apology. And um, so I go back to the adults. I go back with my child and say, you know, my child would like to talk to you and your child. But I always keep parents involved or the authority um, in the situations, no matter what, whether it's my child or someone else's child. So. So this is a really interesting topic for me because I just recently came through a situation that I would definitely label bullying. And I think, I think there's a difference though, between bullying and just 
a child being selfish and mean. I think, I think sometimes when we're really quick to throw the label of bullying on a situation, it, it makes it harder and bigger than it needs to be and actually can exacerbate the problem when really maybe we're just de- dealing with a child who just doesn't have very good social skills or is just being mean. Um, so I think, I think it's good to differentiate. Is this an actual bullying situation or is this just a child who needs to learn what it means to be a good friend. But in this particular case within my own home, this was definitely a bullying situation. Uh, I'll spare you the details, but I'll just say it was a situation at church where one of my sons, who's very physically small compared to the rest of the kids his own age, was being bullied to the point of one of the, the church leaders who was sort of in charge of the situation found him later that evening. It was an a Wednesday night church group found him sitting in a bathroom stall crying, terrified to come out. And it got to the point where my son hated to go to church. And we, my husband and I went to the leaders and they acknowledged that the bullying was happening. We did not know the parents of the children. They didn't attend to the church. It was kind of just a drop and go situation. And we really felt like our hands were tied. I don't know that we handled everything exactly right but this is what we did. Immediately, we removed our son from the situation. I think too often, we as parents can require so much more of our kids than we would even require of ourselves. Because like if I was in a situation where somebody was beating on me, I wouldn't stick around. But yet, sometimes we expect that of our kids. We continue to put them back in that same situation. And and I think that um, that's requiring way more of our kids than they're capable of handling. So I think, you know, right away, we removed him from the situation um, for his emotional health, for his physical health. I think uh, from that point on, it was good for us to help walk him through some action points. For instance, you know, we wanted to give him some specific things to do the next time he was put into that position, if ever it happened again. Specific things to say, specific people that he could go to um, to find safety. We had to walk him through so that way, if it ever happened again, he knew exactly what he was to do to protect himself. And, and from that specific situation, I'll say that um, one of the things he found to do to protect himself was he's a really smart kid, a very smart kid. And while he couldn't defend himself physically, he found ways to be cutting and divisive with his words. And that was his protection mode. And I don't fault him for that because at the time that was all he was capable of doing. But what happened was he began to see the power of his words and how they could really be just as cutting in some situations and tear people down. And, and the result, uh, he got the results that he was looking for. And then he, he began to carry those same sentiments and those same reactions over into other situations when maybe they weren't warranted. And I found that some of that verbal bullying that he had kind of gotten used to doing in order to defend himself was carrying over into our own house. And some of his siblings were taking the brunt of that. He was really good at coming up with one-liners and zingers and kind of um, unkind things. And so the bullied was becoming the bullier. We had to 
make a very zero tolerance policy for bullying in our home. And I think that also is important to, to do is have absolutely no tolerance for it, whether physical or emotional or verbal bullying is bullying. So we had to walk him through repentance and restoration and give him some tools, like I said, to to be able to use whenever he's put in a situation. So his his automatic default wasn't always going to have to be some snarky remark or hateful thing because um, in the end, we're not to return evil for evil. Yes, we need to protect ourselves and we can't allow our children to be hurt physically, emotionally, or verbally, but we need to give them the tools that they can protect themselves without returning evil for evil. That's great advice, Jamie. And that's a hard situation. You know, thank you for sharing that because I know there are going to be other moms that are listening that are dealing with the same kind of thing. And I think just one other thing to think about with this, I don't think it's ever too early to teach our children to pray for those kids that they don't like or the kids that are mean or the kids that are acting out. We have no way to know what's going on in their homes and their lives. I mean, maybe their folks fight a lot or they're getting divorced or maybe it's a child that's being raised by a single parent or maybe they have a sibling with a handicap or a medical issue and they just don't know how to handle the stress so they act out. I mean, it could be anything. But maybe start a family prayer list. Pray for those kids that are doing that, that you know, maybe you, you don't, you try to stay away from them because you don't want to be bullied. But at the same time, we can be praying for them and, uh, you know, just regularly doing that. And now if it's your child that's doing it, you're going to need to sit down and talk, talk it through with them. Hopefully someone will bring it, bring it to your attention that your child's being a problem and that you need to just sit down, talk it through, figure out what is the thing in their life that's causing them to act out let them know you know what's going on and that together you can find a solution. But I think it's really important to teach our kids early on just compassion for other people because not everybody's home life is great. I mean, there are a lot of kids dealing with a lot of stuff we can't begin to know. So try to, you know, just try to have, if we can, as parents, teaching our kids about having a little bit of compassion for those that are being unkind to us. So just a couple more things. Um, what characteristics make a good friend? I mean, I think we've, we pretty much know, but how have you shared those with your children? Like, you know, honesty and generosity, humility, all that stuff. How do you share that with them? You know, I think that just going back to what we said earlier, I, I just want my kids to know how to be a good friend. So when they're looking for a friend, they know what they're looking for. Um, but we see in our home and we tell our children that their family, you know, our family, everyone in our home will be the greatest friends that they could ever have. And to practice right here in the home first, being a good friend to someone else. And then they know what it looks like. There's no second guessing. Um, they will feel the difference, know the difference they know. So I tell them, this is your greatest practice. This is your practice run um, right here. You know, love one another well in the home. I think it's helpful when we teach our kids to have clear expectations of friendships you know, to understand that sometimes you'll be the giver in a friendship and sometimes you'll be the taker and to have real clear expectations so that you don't feel hurt or that um, you don't instantly jump to offense when your feelings are hurt. I think good friendships are rooted in peacekeeping. You know, you're quick to apologize and you're quick to forgive. You have trustworthy behavior. And I, and I would hope to that my kids would be able to learn that and model that within their friendships because hopefully they're seeing that played out in my own life. 
And I think too, it's okay to teach your, your kids that sometimes it's okay to admonish in a relationship. So within their friendships, you know, scripture says better a wound from a friend than a kiss from an enemy. So especially if you have teenagers who are of that age where, you know, they can clearly articulate what scripture says, it's okay for them to have the courage to stand up for what is right and admonish in love a friend who may be going off a different path. Mm, That's good. Um, One last question then for you guys. Um, If you have teenagers, and I know you both do, what can you do to make your home the place they want to come hang out? Because I just always felt like the safest place my child could be would be in my house. (laughs) So I wanted to have, you know, good food and snacks and games and stuff that they could play. And I imagine you guys do that too. What, what do you do to make your home that fun place, the place they all want to, we got to go to September's house and hang out because she's the coolest mom. (laughs) Well, I don't know. I'm not the coolest mom, but my husband, (laughs) my, my husband is the coolest dad. And so he, you know, we just try to make a place where the kids want to hang out, you know, but the key to that I think is to have wholesome interactive fun. Like we're always around. We're not hovering. Like you have to be in the same room, but when their friends come over, they see us, they know we're present. They watch my husband and I, um, interact. They see that we love one another and we don't compromise things. Like we don't alter the atmosphere of our home. So people are comfortable. We're just who we are. And we allow them to see, um, biblical values lived out. And I don't mean that in a like high and righteous way. I just mean we are just who we are and we just want it to be a place that they want to be. It's just an inviting atmosphere. Uh, we tell our kids to incorporate all kinds of hospitality. And this is where biblical hospitality kind of lends itself to the next generation. Um, from the time my kids were little, I um, had them make a list of things that they were going to do when their friends came over. Because I think a lot of times people let their kids invite friends over and then they're kind of wandering around, not sure what to do. They end up on screens or they say to their moms, what can we do? What can we do? And so I want my kids to think ahead, like you're going to have friends over. So incorporate, let's make sure you have a snack. Let's make sure you have something fun to do. Why don't you do this? And would this be fun? What does your friend like to do? And I want my kids to kind of own that hospitality factor. And, you know, that just makes it really fun for their friend and for themselves. There's no guesswork in that. But we, when my kids were growing up, this is how I began when my kids were little, I just had them write out a little list and they kind of stuck it in their pocket and they'd set up like little areas. And as they grew um, into like middle school years, I think it became a little tough and awkward. Um, But as they became teenagers, it was just a natural thing. They went from bonfires to ping pong competitions to, you know, races in the yard to all worship around the campfire, whatever it was. Um, My kids knew how to make it. It wasn't me, you know, and we wanted anyone to feel welcome in our home, um, whether they were a Christian or not a Christian. Um, We wanted our friends to know. And to this day, there are friends of my kids who we still, we have their name on a stocking and hang it in our house because they're part of our family. Um, their friend, we have some of our kids' friends have become so close to our family that we are like their second family. And it's a beautiful thing. It's just a beautiful thing to see how God uses um, our families to 
grow friendships um, generationally. That's beautiful. September. What about you, Jamie? I love what you said, Kate, about, you know, you wanted to be the fun house that people wanted to come over to. And I totally agree. I think an investment in our kids' friends really is an investment in our kids because their friends, especially as they get to be in the teen years, have so much influence on them, whether we want to admit it or not, they will be a great influencer in our kids' lives. So if we are influencing the friends, we are also influencing our kids. I think in some ways we have to get really practical. I think it's really important to budget for friendships for your kids. And and what I mean by that is, so I have one daughter and she's a teenager and she can often feel a little outnumbered here at our house, as you can imagine, with four brothers. And the brothers always have sort of this built-in camaraderie, built-in playmates because they're four boys that like to do boy things. And sometimes she can feel a little left out. So my husband and I have made it a point that we are going to budget the money that if we're doing something as a family and and she might feel a little left out, she can invite a friend and we'll pay for it because we want her to feel included in this and we want her friends to feel included. And we do that for our boys too. I think it's important, especially because we are followers of Jesus. And sometimes we, well, we know that there will be times where we will have to say no to certain activities and certain things because they they don't fall in line with our faith and and. Um, with scripture. And so my husband and I determined early, early on, probably even before we had our first child, that to the best of our ability, we were going to be the yes parents. Meaning if it didn't compromise our faith, if it was at all within our budget and our time, even if we were tired or we, it, you know, that doesn't jazz us up at all. And our natural inclination might be to say no, just because we feel lazy or tired we were going to make a concentrated effort to say yes and be the yes parents. And so um, we know that we have to say no to a lot of things. So we try to say yes to as many things as we can and we budget for that. Oh, that's good, Jamie. So just to wrap it up, like I said in the beginning of the episode, scripture tells us this, a man that has friends must show himself friendly. So keep teaching your children that if they want to have friends, they have to be a friend. Simple things like sitting by the new kid who just moved in and doesn't know anyone, or maybe sharing your lunch with someone who forgot theirs, or helping a friend with a subject they struggle with in class, or standing up to a bully and protecting a child who's being picked on. All these things make for a good person and a good friend. I mean, maybe the most important concept we can try to share with our kids is this, When they're not sure how to act or what to do, teach them to ask themselves, what would Jesus do in this situation? Usually the answer will be to respond with love and kindness and friendship. Well, that's it for this episode of the mom to mom podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. And if you're enjoying the podcast, we would be honored if you would subscribe and leave us a rating or review, go follow us on Instagram. It really helps to get our podcast out in front of more moms that might just need our message. So feel free to leave us a comment and we'll be sure to respond. God bless you, mama.